0: Merry Christmas. Uh, I can't believe here we are. It is Christmas Eve and uh, I i don't know about you, but I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it. Maybe you are too. Uh, maybe you were even just like us. Trying to wrap up the last minute things uh, just before service. I know that's what we were doing. We're just trying to run around and try and get things buttoned up ready for tonight and tomorrow and all that kind of fun stuff. And so uh, we're so honored and grateful that you're here. Uh, as Katie said, we are one church, multiple locations. Uh, my wife, uh, Wendy, and I, my name is Chris. Uh, we're the campus pastors here at Milestone McKinney. Our main campus is in Keller, where our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, is at. And then we have our Hazlitt campus, and uh, we're actually having services. Uh, we just had one at three. We have this one at five. Right now, going on in Keller, in Hazlitt, and right here in McKinney at the same time. And we are thrilled that you are here with us. Uh, today, what I want to do tonight, really, this evening, is we, as we get ready for all that we're going to experience tonight I want to talk about hope. I want to share with you about hope tonight. And You may be thinking, hope, like hope doesn't really, I mean, are we going to talk about like sweet baby Jesus? Like We're going to get to sweet baby Jesus, okay? We're going to get there, but I want to talk about hope. And I think hope is so appropriate where we're at and the season that we're in and really help us understand how the hope of Jesus, how it begins with the birth of Jesus, And so as we talk about that today, as we share those things, I think about the need that we all have for hope. You think about the things that we experience. There's so much that you can experience in life that can make life at times feel as though there is no hope. Things and circumstances and situations, challenges in family, challenges with children, challenges with finances. Oh, and then by the way, in 2020, let's throw in a global pandemic, Let's shelter in place and quarantine and all of these things that are going on. That seems like a good idea. Why don't we do that as well? And and the reality is that it it isn't any particular thing that's going to happen that's going to bring a measure of feeling as though there is no hope. Sometimes just walking through life, it grates on you. And it can feel like, why is this happening? I didn't script it this way. I didn't ask for these type of things to happen. I wasn't looking for, for things to happen this way. What is going on? Why are things happening the way that they're happening? And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when you get in that, that mode, when you get in that, that lane, when you get in that, that, that season or that moment in life, it just kind of, it can just kind of just. As it weighs on you, you can kind of, even just thinking about the Christmas season, you kind of get a little bah humbug spirit on you. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you've been there. Don't act like you're, you've been all just, you know, just all Mr. and Miss Santa Claus, and it's just been awesome. Okay, You have those moments. I can have those moments. You, you, you know, and then there's things that kind of just kind of jolt you out of it. Like, like maybe for you, it was like driving into your neighborhood. First time you drove into the neighborhood and someone had Christmas lights on. In my neighborhood, that was like October 31st. It was like, people are like, bring it on, it's Christmas, I don't care, let's go. You know, they're ready. They're want because why? Christmas is like the one time, it's the one holiday that you kind of feel. You feel Christmas. So people, I know in my neighborhood, it's like lights going up early. I mean, there's like a big inflatable snowman on like November 1st in the front yard. Like, come on, Merry Christmas. I'm like, we ain't even got to Thanksgiving yet. And they're ready. And you know, it, it's, they're ready to go. And I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe it's lights. For me, it's, it's my kids. Love my kids. I got three little girls, 10, 8, and 6. Never a dull moment. I'm the oldest of three boys, so when I had a daughter, it was like culture shock. It was like, what is happening here? I had, there was no context. It didn't compute. I didn't know what was happening. And so there's times where like, they just kind of jolt me out of it. And this Christmas, there have been moments where they've helped me along. And so, one of the things that they'll do is, you know, they always have the music they like to listen to. You know, back in the day, it was like, you could just be like, you know, they, they want to listen to something. like, oh, we don't have that CD. We don't have that cassette. We don't have that 8-track. However wise you are, you know, okay? You like that? Wise. Not old. I just use wise, you know. You, you, you could just do that and default to it. Now, you got iTunes. So you got Playlists. You got Spotify. You got Playlists. So, I put together a little playlist for the girls. But they don't realize it's, not, it's called a playlist. So we'll get in the car, and they'll say, Dad, play our soundtrack. I was like, y'all are powerful. Y'all got a soundtrack. I didn't know y'all had a soundtrack. We just play a soundtrack. My kids have a soundtrack. So we'll play their little playlist. And, and see, the thing is, though, when it comes to their, like, Christmas playlist, I like the old-school nostalgia you know, just kind of Christmas, you know, the old school stuff. And someone told me earlier in the month, they're like, I don't really like Christmas music. You know, it sounds like elevator music. I was like, blasphemy, stop that. You know, it's like, I like that. I like that feel, right? My kids, though, unfortunately, they like Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas. I'm like, if I hear Dave yell one more time in Chipmunk voices singing a Christmas song, I may become Scrooge. I don't know what's going to happen. But they like listening to that music, and it kind of gets me in the zone. And and there have been little things along the way, whether it's Christmas music, or i shared with you how we've been doing Advent with our kids. And right next to our our fireplace, we have this little box, and it's an an Advent box, and you kind of open up each one. We have these cards. We're going through the scriptures, and they're learning about Advent. They're learning about Jesus. They're learning about Jesus coming and what that looks like. I mean, just going all the way through the Bible, and they're just learning along the way. And you have little gifts in here that you open up, and every one of us gets a different day. And so these are just some of my Advent gifts that have been in my little box. And uh, I don't know if you can make this out or not. This is a uh, rainbow that's painted on a rock. Um, this is a rock that's in the shape of a heart glued to a note. that says, you're the best. I like that one. So if you're picking up rocks, real big for Advent gifts in 2020, and just to, in case you're wondering. And then there is, uh, there's this one on the very end my daughter put in there, free nail salon coupon. Okay, Now, she knows me well because she wrote at the bottom, must use, because she knows I'm going to try and forget about it, but my girls, they want to paint my nails, I'm like, what's happening here, so just before Thanksgiving, I let them do it, I said, all right, y'all can paint my nails, luckily it was like cheap nail polish, just kind of rubbed off, but not all of it had come off, so I show up at the gym Monday morning, the guys asked me, Chris, there's something we need to talk about, and I was like, no, just daddy, daddy daughter time, you know, I just got my nails painted, okay, and then, and then I have this little picture right here in the middle. We, we took that picture Christmas morning last year. And, and if you've been here over the last few weeks, you've heard me talk about some Christmas traditions that we have, uh, we've, we've just kind of uh, established through the years. Well, one of them is uh, going to IHOP. You can't tell what's in the back there, but that was Christmas morning. We're at IHOP. Now, again... No offense if you own an IHOP, work at IHOP, if you like IHOP, okay? I'm very grateful. Thank you for being open. But I'll be honest, there's, there's some better pancakes out there. I, I, I told my 10-year-old heard this for the first time in the first service. I'm, I'm glad, I hope she didn't get mad at me. I did call Pancake House in Frisco to see if they are open on Christmas Day. <laughs> they said no. I said, well, you'll know where to find me tomorrow morning. I'll be at my local IHOP at 380 right up here. You want to come join me? You can, all right, because I'll be there tomorrow morning. And so you have these Advent gifts, and it just kind of, it gets me in the mood, and it gets me, feel. all right, that kind of helps me get out of kind out of that bah humbug, Scrooge kind of mentality and spirit. You see, it's hope that we're all looking for. What is it for you? You see, hope is something that we all need. Hope is something that we're all looking for, because there's moments in life where we experience that it seems as though there is no hope. You know, I I love this time of year, and I love being able to share with you, and I love the stories of hope, the stories of Christmas. And and I think about a few of the individuals in our church family that have experienced what it it looks like to be in moments where it seems as though there is no hope. I'm reminded of a a woman in our church family named Faith. Now, when Wendy and I met Faith, she was a, a, a single mom. And uh, there, there were all the challenges that come along with being a single mom. And some of you, you were at our women's event not, uh, earlier this month. And at our women's event, we always, at Joy, we bless and honor our single moms. And we shower them with a gift. And we honor them. We pray over them. We want them to know we see them. We love them. We recognize them. I mean, we get them all the stuff. We get them a little stuff for their kids in there, but we get them a lot of stuff for themselves. Because when you're a single mom or you're a single parent, you're going... I don't got money to spend on all these other things, so you know what, we as a church family we want to go, we see you, we're going to spend it on those things. And we just love on them. During Christmas, we'll do adopt a family, and many of you as a church family, even this year, you'll adopt families, and you'll provide gifts for those families so that those families can have gifts for their family and for their children. Well, faith had been a recipient of that for years. And there are times where she oftentimes was wondering, man, is it ever going to change? I never scripted it to be this way. It's just hard and it's challenging. You feel like there's no hope. I I, I think of a a young lady, her name's Shelby. Shelby's a teenager and like most teenagers, she's experienced moments where it feels like, man, this is the end of the world. What is happening? What is going on? Why are things so hard? Why are things so challenging? What is it? And there wasn't anything just significantly earth-shattering or drastic. It wasn't as if her world was coming to an end, but she was in a season and a moment of just going, I just, I need a little bit of hope in my life. And she had friends who loved her and, and were encouraging her and praying for her, but she was in a place where she just needed hope. I think of a woman named Angel, who actually is at our Keller campus. And Angel is a single mom. She has special needs children, and she had to quarantine for six weeks during the summer. Well, when she quarantined, she wasn't able to work. Well, that put a lot of financial strain on her, and, and uh, there was a lot of debt that was mounting up, and there was a lot of uh, bills that weren't being paid. And then as she got early into the early months of, of uh, the fall semester for school, her teacher her daughter's teacher had COVID-19, and so her daughter had to stay home. Well, when her daughter stayed home, she wasn't able to go to work, and now here she is again, not able to work. Rent is due. She's past due on her rent. She doesn't know what she's going to do. We're doing our women's event, Joy, in Keller at the same time we're doing it here in McKinney at the same time we're doing it in Hazit. She had $20 left, and she decided, I just need, some, I need a little bit of hope. I need a little bit of joy. She spent her last $20 for a babysitter so she could go to Joy. That same day, she got a 24-hour eviction notice. And so she goes to Joy just experiencing and expecting to experience the presence of God because she just needs a a little bit of hope. You know, you, you may relate to some of those stories. You may not relate. But maybe you're in here today, and as you walk through those doors, you're in a place where you're looking for hope. You're thinking about how things have not transpired the way in which you wanted. You're thinking about how your marriage, your finances, your job, situations, and interactions with your children aren't going the way you thought they would, and you're looking for some hope. Well, I want you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at the Christmas story, actually, in the book of Romans, We're going to go to a video here in just a minute. Pastor Jeff is going to share the Christmas story with us by way of video. And he's going to talk a little bit about Romans 15. So we're going to watch this together. Then I'm going to come back up and we're going to unpack this together and see what God's speaking to us through Romans 15 and hope in the Christmas story. Let's watch this together.
1: Hey, I have a question for you. What's your favorite Christmas moment? Is it when you and the family drive around and look at Christmas lights and everyone has hot chocolate? Is it that moment where you see your children, that, that special moment? I, I'm big on when my kids were little footy pajamas and they're opening that present. What, what's, what's that moment where it's like it's Christmas you know, is it a service that you're attending with your family? Is it a special time throughout Christmas? What, what is that special Christmas moment? There's so many parts of the Christmas season that we enjoy and we love those experiences and one of those happens usually around the family table. And that's why I'm seated here today is just to think with us for just a minute about that moment. That Christmas moment and what we're looking for in that moment. Of course, there's the people that we enjoy it with, but there's also the food. I know a lot of people do a lot of different things now. I know people that have tamales for Christmas, there are people that do takeout. I'm still a traditionalist and I'm looking forward to that special Christmas meal the Christmas ham, the Christmas turkey. I tell you, my mom and our whole family, we make a special Christmas dressing that is a tradition in my family going back to my grandmothers and all of the people that have made it throughout the years, and so I look forward to that. Uh, some of the girls in our family now have these different food allergy things, and so they're, they're, they're trying to steal Christmas. I, I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing as gluten-free Christmas dressing, but I tell you, there's a there's a a hope that we all in these moments and in these experiences there's a hope that we are believing that will happen in our souls there's a there's a more hopeful year a better set of circumstances that's really what we're after in a christmas moment at a family table of course we're hoping we have some good food. I'm hoping for that chocolate pie. That's what carries me through the whole Christmas meal is I'm gonna have a piece. I'm a chocolate person, so I'm waiting for that piece of chocolate pie. I'm hoping to experience that dressing. But really, it's deeper than just the food. It's deeper than all of the decorations. It's deeper than just gathering at the table. A lot of times, it's, we're looking for that experience, but a lot of times there's challenges when we come together. We're really believing that all the preparation and all the travel that's required and all of the stuff that goes into that moment, we're believing that something will happen inside of us that gives us something that makes us expect for things to be better. But a lot of times we come to the table and maybe there's a loved one. I know that our table is missing my dad's place there. For me, that's emotional when we come and say the prayer to together. There's, there's some, maybe some of you who've lost a loved one. Maybe you come to the table and things in your job world are not the same and you're, you're hopeful that there's something better coming. Maybe there's a, a kid or a young person that's struggling around the table and everyone is really thinking about them. Maybe you have some depression, some anxiety, some things going on in your own soul. Uh, maybe there's illness or sickness, whatever it is, we we come to that moment, that Christmas moment, and we're, we're we're hoping that we can have a better tomorrow, a better day. But a lot of times, when you see the word hope, and that's what I want to talk with you about this Christmas season, and I want to share some things from the scriptures because. A lot of times hope is what's online or it's seen in our shopping malls, it's used as advertisement, it's on our Christmas cards, but the fact is for a lot of people it's just nostalgia. It's just a word, it's, it's just a concept, but you know scripturally the very essence of the Christmas story is that this hope can propel us forward to where we're not just putting that hope and believing that that hope comes into our lives. We're not putting it into just nostalgia or just this Christmas concept, but in fact, it is trust in a person whose name is Jesus who came to begin the possibility that we could hope in our lives for something of more substance. And really, when you boil it all down, you say, Jeff, why is hope important? Well, biblical hope is when you completely know that you can put your trust in a God who is faithful. And so in fact, the the biblical concept of hope, I think about Hebrews 6, where it says hope is an anchor for our soul. I think about our Christmas passage this year is going to be from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15, it says this, and again, Isaiah says, and you may not know this about Jesus, but there are hundreds of prophecies Years and years before Jesus came as a baby that prophesied that he would come. And, and Romans here in the New Testament is highlighting one of those prophecies from Isaiah. It says, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. I want us to think about that for a minute because you, you may have just brushed over that or you may have never seen that passage before. But the root of Jesse ties to the Christmas story. The root of Jesse is speaking of Jesse's family. Jesse is the father of King David. And many, many generations later, there was a man named Joseph who took a young woman named Mary to be his wife. God tells Mary that she would supernaturally carry a baby who would be the hope of the world. And Mary and Joseph, they go from Galilee to Bethlehem for the census that is happening. And while they're there, Mary has this baby, she has it in a manger in a livestock area because there was no room for her and the baby in the inn. And it says that while this is taking place, that the shepherds had angels tell them about the Son of God and that this baby would spread the life and the hope and the salvation that this baby would bring to the whole world. And in the Christmas story, we see that at the culmination of these events, as Mary was thinking about what is happening supernaturally, it says Mary would treasure all these things and ponder them in her heart. The truth is, Mary found hope, herself even, in the root of Jesse. Now back to Romans 15, the root of Jesse, it says, will spring up and one who will rise to rule over the nations. It says this, in him, the Gentiles will hope. So there's that word hope again. Hope being this expectancy, this, as Hebrew says, an anchor for our soul. And I like to think of it this way. It's the expectancy and the trust in God's faithfulness that actually leads us to fully and completely trusting and giving our lives to this baby, this baby that would become a man. His name is Jesus. That's where hope is found. Well, in our remaining time together, I want us to unpack the next verse that's connected to the Christmas story. It says this, and and I believe that many of you this Christmas, you're desiring not just for nostalgia, just for a different feeling, but something that can really be trusted And you're looking for this hope it says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit
0: So let's look at Romans together, and you may not have realized that the Christmas story was found in the book of Romans. You may not have realized all that Paul is writing here, and as we look at this, I want to look back at verse 13 of of chapter 15 that, that Pastor Jeff just read, and he says this. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. You see, he is the God of hope. He wants to Fill you with hope. And when you're filled with hope, as you trust in Him, something happens. There is joy and there is peace that you experience in your life. See, joy is not circumstantial. It's a a perspective that you have, understanding that no matter what you walk through, you can have joy because your joy is found in Him. You trust in Him. And when you have that joy, what does it do? It brings a measure of peace. Peace isn't ease. Peace isn't always clarity. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is a presence, and that presence has a name. His name is Jesus, the root of Jesse, as he just wrote in verse 12. He goes on, he says, so why? Why do I want you to have this hope? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's this overflowing that comes out of you. Now, I have little kids. When things overflow in my house, that means things are getting spilt. When things get spilt, I get a little dialed up. I'm like, what happened? Who made a mess? What's going on? Clean that out. What are you doing? Okay, I'm sorry. It's just me. I'm human. I got to work on that. But Paul's not talking about who spilled the milk. He's saying the Holy Spirit's going to fill you up, and there's a hope that you find in Jesus, and he fills you up. What happens is it can actually overflow out of you. Wait, wait, Chris. Are you telling me I can actually have hope that overflows? Yes. You mean in the middle of a a challenging situation in my marriage? You mean in the fact uh, that, that I have this challenge with my children or in my finances or transition in work? You're telling me I can overflow with hope? Yes. Because it's not found in your circumstance. It's a joy and a peace that's found in trusting in Him as you experience Jesus. You see... What's so powerful about this is this book of Romans was written by Paul. Paul was a man who was known as Saul before he gave his life to Jesus. That man was a man who persecuted and killed Christians. And when he wrote the book of Romans, there is so much foundational truth about our relationship with Jesus and how we come to know Him. It's in Romans that Paul writes... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. We all fall short. There are things in our life that keep us and cause a division and separation between us and God. It's in Romans that we also find that we read the wages of sin is death. But there is a gift. That gift is eternal life in Jesus Christ. There is a gift that He has for us. He also writes, this same man writes and says, Now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's this aspect of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. And what's interesting is as he's writing this, this is actually the beginning of a prayer. Why is he praying? He's praying that you and I, that the people that he's writing to would experience such joy and peace and a trust who is God, and, and trust in God that there is a hope that overflows out of them. Remember, as Pastor Jeff said, what is hope? Hope is this assurance, this confidence of trusting in a God who is always faithful. You see, the reason he's praying, why is he praying for hope? Why hope? Because hope is a starter. Hope is what gets the engine going. Because what we all want is faith. Because it's by faith that we receive the gift that God has for us. But what gets us to faith, it's hope. It's hope. And, and as I think about hope being a starter, that's what, what, what gets things going. That's what jumpstarts things. I, I, I thought about something I saw online a couple weeks back. I saw it on social media, all these people were posting, and I don't, I mean, maybe I missed out on that, maybe there was a whole day for this or something, I thought, you know, I I was kind of in the know, but apparently I I wasn't, but all these people I'm seeing, they're posting on social media, this is how it started, this is how it's going, you know, I was like, okay, and and in the season that we're in, it made me think of something that uh, I I really like, I'm not a big fan of how it starts, but I'm a real big fan of once it gets to where it's going. And and let me show you, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through this. This is how it starts, okay? Bread. Now, some of you in here, you like bread. you you big bread fans. You love bread. Give me all the bread. Give me all the carbs. I was talking to someone earlier. They were talking about their Christmas meal, and they were going to make uh, like these hoagies or something, they didn't get too sad. To, they said, we're going to have to suffer through those Hawaiian rolls, Pastor Chris. I said, that's some suffering now. I mean, those are good now. i got to touch on them. You ever had a Hawaiian roll? I'm not a big bread fan, but if you had a Hawaiian roll, I'd make you a bread fan, okay? And, and, and bread, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big bread fan. Take it or leave it. But, but I do like where it ends up about this time of year because Wendy does something real special with this bread. And this is how it starts but this is how it ends up going. Now, some of you, you know what that is. Some of you have no idea. But I'm going to bless your life right now. That's called bread pudding, okay? You're welcome. Boom, right there. And then all that up there, that's just basically melted sugar. That's all that is. And you just, you got pecans and probably You just pour that all. I'm going to be real honest and transparent. I could probably eat that whole thing by myself, okay? I got to exercise a whole lot of self-control when it comes to bread pudding because that's how it starts but I really like how it ends up. You know, what's interesting about bread, Wendy, you know, th- there was a time where Wendy, when, when we've moved, we have, I don't know about you, they're, they're, you know, I don't know, maybe you you bake and maybe you make bread, I don't know, you know, uh, all the all the time you had in quarantine. There's a lot of bread that was made during quarantine. I'll tell you where it wasn't made. It wasn't made at my house, although we have a bread maker, Wendy has had this bread maker for probably the better part of 10 years. You want to know how I know that? Because guess who packs up the bread maker and moves it every time we move it? And every time I say, babe, we're getting rid of this bread maker. You know what Wendy tells me? Love Biscuit just gives me those big old brown eyes and smile. I said, baby, I'm going to make bread. I said, okay, boo. And I just packed that bread maker up, and guess what? We move it. Can I, let me let you know how much bread she's made. Zero. She ain't made much bread at all, okay? And I'm going, what are we doing? But there wasn't, to give her credit, there was this one time when we lived in Louisiana, she got a recipe from a friend called friendship bread. And this bread, when you make friendship bread, she shows up and she's like, I want to make friendship bread. She had this stuff called a starter. So when you're making friendship bread, you have to have a starter. And it takes like seven days and you got to mix it and you got to tend to it. And you got to show all this style and all this stuff. But you have to have a starter to make friendship bread. And, and when you're making bread from scratch, there are many breads that you need a starter to use. In fact, I saw a story. It was actually from the Food Network. There is a sourdough bakery in San Francisco has been using the same bread starter for 171 years. They have an unbroken chain of this bread starter. They've been using it for 171 years. I mean, the first time I read that, I was like, is it molded? Like, I don't know, I mean, I don't know enough about bread starters to know, but I mean, 171 years, that's a whole, that's a long time. But you go, well, what's the point, Pastor Chris? Why are we talking about bread and bread starters? Because here's what I want you to get. There's an unbroken starter that began more than 2,000 years ago. His name is Jesus. And He brought hope into the world when He came as a baby in a cradle on that dirt floor. And He came to bring hope and He came to bring peace and He came to bring healing when He came to this earth. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why. There is hope that we find in Jesus that is never broken. There, it is ne- nothing will stand again. Nothing will stop it. And so as we look and we recognize and we see this hope that we have in Him, we have to begin to understand, okay, so, so what does hope do? How does hope impact me this Christmas? How does it change me? What does it do for me? Because there's things that Christmas begin to reveal to us when it comes to hope. And the first is this, that genuine hope is found in Jesus, period. A genuine hope. Hope, a a genuine hope, it only comes from Him. Jesus, again, what is hope? It is trust in a God who is always, always faithful. Always faithful. And and for years, I've used, uh, we have used at Milestone, but I've used for years this kind of illustration that I want to walk you through when it comes to hope because I want to help you see that the hope that we have in Jesus There's so much intentionality that happens around this time of year. And what I love about Christmas is Christmas is the culmination of this intentionality of Jesus making a way to come to us. God making a way to come to us. For years, man tried to find a way to get to God. And God said, you're not going to be able to do it. And so what did he do? He came with us. We just sang about it. God is with us. He came to us. You see, why why is that so important? What is the premise and the importance of that? Why is that so key? Well, the first is this, is we have to recognize that we're all broken. I want to share with you this little illustration. I've used it for years and years and years. And it helps us use it, and Pastor Jeff has used it for years. We, as a church, we've used it to help kind of help us understand. What does this mean? What does this look like? Well, first is this, we're all broken. We're all broken. We're broken. We, we have a bend towards these broken areas in our life. The Bible says that, again, what does it say? For all who sin and fall short of the glory of God. You, you think, about, think about the people you spoke to over the last nine months, and you start hearing them talk about things that they've done or doing, and, and marriages all of a sudden ending in divorce, all these things. And people that, well, look, COVID-19 didn't start that. That was already there, just the pressure of all that COVID-19 brought. It just revealed what was already underneath the surface. There's pressure that comes because we're broken. We're all broken. But there's a perfect God that wants a relationship with us. He loves us. He has a plan and a purpose for us. but, But the challenge is this. There's a gap between us and a perfect God. But God closed that gap when he sent his son Jesus. He paid a price that we could not pay. He closed the gap that we could not close on our own. This separation, remember, there were 400 years of silence before Jesus came. 400 years. Talk about a gap. Talk about feeling distant. Talk about what happened. But Jesus came as a baby grew to a man, died on a cross for our sins, for you and for me, rose again that we may have freedom and victory in him. He closed the gap. And oftentimes as I share this with people, sometimes it's in a context like this where it's a message. Sometimes it's one-on-one. What this also does right here is you hear this, as you look at this, as it makes it real simple for us to understand what we begin to realize and recognize is this. There's some common barriers that come along with this. There's some things that kind of keep us going, well, well I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I may be broken. Chris, I, I get it. I'm broken. But, but I, I'm, a, I'm a good person. I hear that all the time. I'm, I'm a good person. I'm just going to be real transparent and honest with you. Saying I'm a good person is going to keep thinking I'm a good person. I'm doing good is going to keep a lot of people from spending eternity with Jesus. That's reality. Because it's not about being a good person. It's about having a life-giving relationship with Jesus where He is your Lord and Savior. It's not about how generous you are, how good you are, how kind you are. We are all broken in need of a Savior so that we may have a relationship with a perfect God. We're all broken. I'm a good person. Well, good compared to who? That's why some of you like having a good, uh, you know, a good heathen friend, as they like to say. You're like, man, I may be bad, but I ain't as bad as that guy. I was talking to someone on the phone today. We were talking through some stuff, and I was kind of walking him through some things, and we were talking about, he's like, yeah, man, I got a guy. I got a couple of guys, man. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I like. he likes to keep that guy close because it him feel good about himself. Like, I may be bad, but that guy's a dumpster fire, okay? I mean, I may be a small fire. That guy's a dun- He's a rolling dumpster fire. I mean, that brother's on the move, okay? He, but... It's not about compared to who. A good person compared to who? You see, because the person that we're actually compared to is Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's where He comes and He bridges the gap and makes up the difference. He closes that gap. But that's a barrier in and of itself. Because you go, if I give my life to Jesus and I I allow Him to be my Lord and Savior, I make Him my Lord and Savior, What about my heritage? What about how I grew up? I remember I grew up in a heritage that it was very much about what I needed to do to try and get to God, prove to God that I did all the right things and I said all the right things. This is not about religious activity and intellectual knowledge. This is about a relationship with Jesus. God came in the form of a baby. He came to us when we could not get to him because he wants a relationship with you and me. But our heritage can keep us from that. But listen, here's the reality is this. When you stand before God one day, He's not going to say, Oh, were you Catholic? Were you Baptist? Were you Episcopalian? Were you Lutheran? He ain't asking that. You know what He's going to ask? What did you do about my son Jesus? What did you do about having a relationship with Him? Because that is what matters. It's not about the heritage. It's not about the religious activity. It's about... The relationship. But it can be a barrier because of how you grew up. The things you experienced. You can even feel, man, am I, am I, like, am I turning my back on my family and, and how I was written? No, not at all. You're simply coming into a greater revelation of what God is wanting to show you when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus. But then there's this third area that really is a legitimate barrier, and that's, wait a minute, there's a perfect God. Well, perfect, God, like, help me with that, Chris, because where was God when I went through fill-in-the-blank? I feel unseen, I feel like, God, Where I feel alone. God, where were you? God, why did you let this happen to me? Why'd you let this happen to my child? Why'd you let this happen to my family member? Why, 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 why? Where were you, God? There's times where I've had conversations with those that are, are self-proclaiming atheists, and oftentimes what I've realized in talking to those who are atheist or agnostic, really, most often they're agnostic more than they are atheists. Or when I'm just even talking with people. It's rarely about intellectual knowledge and understanding God. Really what it comes down to is an emotional pain because of something they experienced. In 22 years of ministry, I'm 42 years old. And in all the years of walking and counseling with people and talking with people, the sad truth is, as I walk with people, the two things that seem to be most common to help people walk through is family hurt and church hurt. The two places that they should feel the most safe, secure, encouraged, uplifted, and empowered. And yet it's the two places that oftentimes they were the most hurt. And what begins to happen is what the enemy does is he causes you to feel as though, I don't want anything to do with this perfect God. But he loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for you. Why? Because the reality is this. Jesus came and bridged that gap because heaven and hell are very real places. And people really go there. And people really spend eternity there. And so even this Christmas, taking time to go, wait, wait, we're going to talk about hope. And we are talking about sweet baby Jesus, but we're talking about the hope that baby Jesus brings because He didn't just come and stay as a baby, He grew to a man who then died on the cross for our sins and rose again, that we may have freedom and victory. You see, when we understand that, here's what begins to happen. As we embrace that reality, that hope permeates our life and it begins to overflow out of us, what begins to happen is hope changes what you care about most. It changes the things that you value. It's amazing how when you grow in your relationship with God and you begin to have this hope that begins to start to churn and stir, all of a sudden the things that you thought were so important aren't really as important. That's why I get so passionate when I'm talking with men and helping encourage or pastor or coach them up, whatever you want to call it. Because I see how they are winning in every area that may make them feel real good and losing in the areas that matter the most. And I said, if I can help you win in the area that matters the most, your relationship with God, your family, the closest relationships you have, then this area over here that you're burning all your calories in? You'll find fulfillment and significance because you're winning where it really matters. You see, when you have hope, it changes what you value. Because you're in here and you may be going, well, I don't have hope, Chris. I really don't have much hope for anything. I'm just kind of bumping along, living life, hoping, hey, you know, I hope it's not a train wreck. I hope as I'm heading down the road, the bridge isn't out and I'm ready to crash and burn. But you can have hope. But what happens is, you at times, we experience such despair and such a lack of hope that we wonder, is there any hope? You're overwhelmed, you become overwhelmed with depression and anxiety, suicidal thoughts and wondering and feeling. Is there, I mean, think about the death, even talking with young people, so many young people today, just no hope, because they're looking to the future going, I don't see where and how God can work and move in my life, in my family, in this situation. But there is hope. Because when you experience the hope of Jesus, it impacts every area of your life. When you're faced with the reality of eternity, and and just as Pastor Jeff said, his dad not being at dinner, or at, at, at the table this year for Christmas, and the hard reality of that. Even Wendy and I, we have friends, close friends. One, she lost her mom this past week. Another, having to travel to visit on New Year's Eve, his father, because they're trying to make decisions about what's going to happen with his health, their parents aren't much older than mine. And I'm thinking, how are we going to navigate that? Wendy's best friend at home on hospice, basically they said, she's it. She has, she's, she's dying. And they don't know how many days or weeks she may have left. But the reality of that, but, but when you feel that and you're, experience, you're experiencing that, what happens in that moment? Either there's great despair and there's no hope, or you know who to hold on to. You know who to hang on to, and you know where to find your hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. You know, I think of those individuals that I shared a little bit of their story earlier. And you may be wondering, well, tell us more. I mean, you're just ending. You're talking about faith and, and Shelby and, and Angel. I mean, what, what happened? What transpired? You see, because here's the thing about hope. Remember, as Paul wrote, it's hope that what does it do? It overflows out of you. You see, I believe that God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus came to this earth, walked this earth, God incarnate, God and man. And he died on the cross for our sins that As hope begins to overflow out of us, we become distributors of hope. We become distributors of those around us. It spills out around those around us. You know them. You have family members. They need a little bit of hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. You may be sitting next to them tonight. They need a little bit of hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. Well, Faith, I shared with you about Faith, and she's a single mom, and Challenging season, challenging life. Well, And Hope will tell you, she's not perfect. She's got her rough edges. But she's been growing in her relationship with God. And Almost a year ago, she got married. And uh, this is, I think, her first Christmas now being married. And, and as I shared with you, that season, that many of you were a part of blessing and impacting faith's life through the gift as a single mom at Joy or through adoptive family. As she came into this Christmas season, she sent me a text and a picture about a week ago. And this is, this is what I'm going to read to you what the text says, because it's obviously too small for, for you to read. And this is what she says. She says, the coolest thing has happened to me this week. I took a leap of faith this year, and I didn't sign up for anything. Instead, we prayed and got the opportunity to adopt a family. Oh, what it has done to my heart. To pray over this single mom and her kids and pick gifts for them, it makes me cry. To see and feel the blessing of giving, knowing those things will be cherished and needed. It's the meaning, and I love this feeling. It makes me think of how much God wants to give us. This is our beginning. Stepping out of the boat was worth it, Pastor Chris. Thank you for pointing me to the Father and to faith. See, in a moment, she said, I've experienced When hope is overflowed out of others, now I want hope to overflow out of me. I think of that young girl, Shelby. You see, Shelby, this is Shelby right here in this uh, veil sweatshirt. And her friends had been praying for Shelby to come to an event we do called Fall Retreat. They'd been believing for Shelby to, to experience a relationship with Jesus like they had. They were praying for her to experience hope like they had. And it wasn't looking like things were going to line up. She wasn't going to be able to come. And I remember some of the youth team telling me that. I said, look, you tell them to just keep praying and believing because watch what's going to happen. God's going to make a way and she's going to show up. And then God's going to do a work in her life. And those girls are going to be on cloud. It's going to be like, you can't stop them because why? Hope was the starter. And then all of a sudden, God works and he moves. And then faith. Trusting and knowing God can do anything. Because in that moment, what they were believing for for Shelby was the biggest thing in their world. Because the story and the power of this is not just what God did in Shelby's life. It's what he did in her friend's life. So they did just that. They prayed and they believed. And the day before fall retreat, she signed up and she came. And Friday night she was here in this room, standing right up here worshiping. And that night she gave her life to Jesus. Jesus. And her eternity was impacted and transformed. But it gets better. See, Shelby, when she gave her life to the Lord, she got a Bible and this book. And what was amazing is this. That night, her and her friends went home. And her friends took out that Bible. And they started helping her read that Bible. You want to know something? What were they doing? They were being a distributor of hope. They didn't need a theology degree. They didn't need to have read the Bible front to back. They didn't need to have all the answers to be a distributor of hope. They just simply said, Jesus, we've experienced this in our life, and we want Shelby to experience it. And they sat around together, and they just taught her how to read her Bible. Hope overflowing. Then there's Angel. About to be evicted. Literally, last $20, uses it on a babysitter so she can come to the women's event. Gets an eviction notice that day. And she shows up. She's in there just worshiping. And there was a lady named Jess who was there that night as well. And Jess tells the story that she was standing there and she felt like the Lord was telling her to pray for the lady in front of her. Talk to her. And Jess will tell you when she shared the story though, she's like, That's not me. Like, I'm not that person. Like, I don't like, God told me to pray for you. Can I pray for you? You know, like this. She's like, that's not me. But she just couldn't shake it. She knew God was speaking to her, so she did. She went to the lady in front of her, and she said, can I pray for you? Guess who the lady in front of her was? It was Angel. She asked Angel, is there anything I can pray for you about? And Angel shared with her what she was going through. So they prayed for her. Well, then Angel got her small group together and told... I mean, uh, Jess got her small group together and told them about Angel and her situation. And in a matter of hours, they raised enough money to pay for her rent. And this is Jess with Angel as they met together at a restaurant and just shared hope. Why? Because it was overflowing out of her. You see... God is saying, I want you to overflow with hope. Not just this Christmas season, but in your life. You may be in here today, and I'm not sure what you've walked through or what you're experiencing. I'm not sure what today has been like, this week, this year, this season. It's been hard and challenging. You may be in here today, and while your story may not sound or look exactly like Faith, Shelby, or Angel, You're in a moment where you're experiencing just a lack of hope. But I'm here to tell you there is hope in Jesus. And that hope can overflow out of you. That hope will change what you think is most important in your life. That hope can transform you for all eternity.